Hey there, I am Dr. Jerry Crete, and welcome to episode 68 of Be With The Word. Uh, this is where I discuss the Sunday readings. We have the third Sunday of Lent, and we're going to get into uh, topics such as dissociation, emotional regulation, and the window of tolerance. I'm going to explain those concepts. We're going to talk about them today. If you haven't already, feel free to go over to my sister podcast, Hear the Word, also episode 68, and listen to the readings being read to you and a meditation that goes along with it to foster greater emotional regulation. All right, so let's talk about these readings. These are interesting readings. We have God, the Father, or Yahweh, being jealous and then issuing the Ten Commandments. And then later we have Jesus getting out that whip and getting to the money changers and being angry. So I really thought in hearing these those two passages that the issue of emotions was important and what is emotional regulation. And if you've been listening for the last few weeks, we've been talking about dissociation. So I'm gonna explain uh, an interesting concept that comes up a lot in trauma therapies, and that's the window of tolerance. Now the window of tolerance is kind of like, like if you picture a window, um, it's a space that you can move up or down in. You can move within the window, right? And if you, if you go down low in the window, you're kind of getting more peaceful, kind of more calm, more relaxed. And if you move up the window, you're becoming more energized, more activated. You know, you've got um, some excitement, possibly. So if I was to say, hey, let's sit down in the prayer room, like over at uh, Hear the Word, and we're going to meditate. We're going to take a deep breath. We're going to relax our muscles, say the Jesus prayer. You know, we're going to quietly listen to the readings. Here we can probably feel ourselves move down low into the window, right? But if I instead I was to say, hey, let's everybody get together. Let's collect all the garbage around the house and let's get it out to the dumpster and let's clean up things up before the party, right? And everybody's running around moving, all right? There's some excitement being raised. Yeah, and when we're done, we're going to do something fun, right? So then our, we go up in the window in that case. But we're kind of moving happily up or down because if we're going to say we're going to do a presentation, we might need to go up a bit in our window of tolerance in order to kind of get a little energy in our system. And we're going to have a little adrenaline movement, a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiety is good. It gets this, the, it gets our, our whole system in motion. All right. So that's what the window looks like. Now, if we go above the window, that's where we go from uh, emotional regulation to dysregulation. So we can go into a state of fight or flight or our sympathetic ner ner nervous system is activated and, and we're a little, we're overwhelmed, where we're threatened, where we feel like we're in danger, where fear or shame is an overwhelming emotion. And so parts of our brain kind of shut down and other parts just go into hyperactivity. So it's like, go. Now that's, you know, that's only uh, meant to happen in necessity. 
when when survival is at stake. All right, we're not meant to be in that state all day long. That's very dangerous on the whole body and the mental state and physical health. Now, <clears throat> you also have going below the window. So if you were to go below the window of tolerance, less than like like not not we're not talking about meditation or relaxation anymore, but lower than that. That's what I would call numbing out. And sometimes we drop out of fight or flight into freeze. So we completely drop from the above the window down below the window because we think we're literally going to die. Right. So if you actually believe there is no escape, then your system will naturally shut down to protect you. Okay. So one type of dissociation, oh, and I'll just remind you that dissociation is about kind of being disconnected from the present moment, right? Rather than associating things. So integrating our feelings and thoughts, you know, is like associating. Whereas if we're dissociating, we're separating, we're moving away. We're creating almost another persona to manage something but we're keeping some distance from it. So some forms of dissociation could be going from uh, angry because of an injustice, and that keeps us still in the window, to being rageful, right? Or even vengeful or full of wrath. And there we've almost, now we're, we're at a state of reactivity, right? Or the other extreme could be we feel like it's hopeless. There's no point speaking, or we're 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 afraid. We're we were excited to do a presentation. Something went wrong, and we thought, "Oh my gosh, my career is now over." Whoosh! We go below the window into a free state. We can't even speak. We can't. We, we can't even move. Perhaps because in that in that lower state, in that below the window state, in that numbed out state. It's, it is a form of parasympathetic arousal, but it's a shutting down. So we can almost be paralyzed in that moment, right? So I think we're all familiar with different times in our lives where we've been above the window and other times when we've been below the window. And neither one is healthy, at least not healthy to stay in. What we want to be able to do is to recognize what's happening within the window and to notice if it goes too high or too low and to have some skills in order to kind of move around as we want to. So let me take us back to Jesus uh, or for that matter, Yahweh in the Old Testament. So we have a situation where Jesus sees something wrong and he's angry and anger in this case is not, that's just an emotion. It's just the reality of that. He's angry. Now his decision to, I guess he made a whip and he goes in and he chases people out and he knocks over tables and he makes a point. Now, I'm going to argue that he didn't go into a rage. When I think of a rage, I can't help it. I'm old school. I'm really old. I remember watching The Incredible Hulk when I was a kid and Bill Bixby played him. And anytime someone pushed him too far, you could see he got the little contact lenses. He put them on to make it look like his eyes were suddenly changing and then he suddenly started to go green and he switched into Lou Ferrigno and became the Incredible Hulk. Then he was like out of control. The Incredible Hulk is just a brute. I'm not saying he's evil or anything. He's just a brute. He is just going to smash things. 
So he's no longer in control. So that is not what we're going for. And I don't think that's what happened to Jesus. I don't think he turned into the Incredible Hulk in the temple. I think he knew exactly what he was doing and he was still within the window of tolerance. So he chose to take those actions because he, first of all, wanted to make a point. He wanted to write an injustice and he wanted to make sure that they, there were, the others there were exposed in their hypocrisy or exposed in their deceit or inappropriate behavior. So I think many times that's exactly what's needed in a situation. Um, and you see right after Jesus quite calmly answers their questions. And then he talks about the temple being destroyed and, and then rebuilt in three days. And he's even able to make a reference to his death in his, you know, he's not, he's not an out of control, rageful person, let's just say. I also think the, the example in the Old Testament with where it says God is a jealous. So it's so interesting when those kinds of words are used for God, because immediately we're thinking, whoa, jealousy is a sin or jealousy is bad. I don't know. I think that it might just simply, for humans at least, it might just simply be a feeling. And it's what you do with jealousy that becomes the sin, right? So the sin of jealousy is um, taking an action out of jealousy that is harmful or whatnot. But God's so-called jealousy is about his love for us. So in a way, I almost see that jealousy when, when I hear those words. I think about it as God is like, I care so much for them. I long for them. I love them so much. I want what's good for them. And yet, and yet they're, they're turning to things that are going to harm them, right? In this case, idols. And so when God sees us doing things that are going to harm ourselves, he wants to protect so to me, that's the jealousy of a father who sees his child in possible danger or making the wrong choice. It's like, no, I, I don't want to lose you to something bad or evil. I want to protect you because I care, right? And the Ten Commandments, although they are their rules and they're, all, they're, a bit, they're written in the negative, you shall not this, you shall not that. So some of us, I know, react to that, right? And go, well, you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to want to do it. I'm going to want to know why, or I'm going to question it. Well, let's stop that a little bit. Let's challenge ourselves a little bit to say, you know, what's the whole point? The point here is God loves us and wants our good, and we can be stubborn. Uh, all right. So I need to change the way I look at the situation. I need to look at this differently. I might be stubborn or frustrated or want to lash out or act out in some negative way and break a commandment. And I could come up with excuses for why I have a right to, but bottom line, it's not for my good. God knows it and deep down I know it. <laughs> so what are we called to do? I mentioned this over on Hear the Word. We're called to look at our situation differently. We're called to go to the situation and say, how can I be a blessing or bring grace to a situation? Sometimes it's about bringing truth, right? So if I have lost it, okay, let's say uh, I've had a rotten day. There's a lot of 
stressful things going on and I go into the kitchen and I see that the garbage bag is full and I go over there and I'm fine. Nobody. And I'm mad, right? How come nobody changed this? Why am I the one who has to change it every time? And then I go and I pull the bag out and something and the bag breaks or tears and all the garbage falls on the floor. I start, you know, swearing in some way and I'm cursing and, and frustrated and angry. Somebody walks in and I tear the shred off them. I'm angry at them. I bring up every bad thing they've ever done. They don't know what hit them. Okay. That happens. How, what, what, what happened there? I was already high in the window of tolerance. So emotionally I was already somewhat activated, right? Then something happened that pushed me outside of that window, right? And I went outside of the window and I became reactive. My anger turned more into rage. I started to take it out on others and was causing harm to others. Okay. So that what would have been better for that person, let's say if it was me, then would have been to notice, right? It's all about noticing ourselves and getting used to ourselves and recognizing, I don't know if it would have been, maybe it would have been better before approaching that garbage bag to kind of notice where I was, you know, how activated I already was. Maybe it's the moment where the garbage bag breaks, if that happens and realizing I'm just about to be triggered to go over the top here, right? And then maybe how can I look at this differently? I mean, humor could work, but I don't know how humorous that will seem at the moment, right? Maybe I need to stop and say, hey, I am having a bad day and now there's this mess on the floor and I want to break something or hurt somebody. And so I would say there, if I can do something, either reach out to somebody to talk to, take a moment to pray, take a break to help come down into a safer place in, the, in my window. And then maybe put this in perspective because when I was cursing and yelling, it might've been like, my life sucks or everything bad happens to me or nobody cares about me. and all these negative thoughts come up and they're all in that moment. And if I can take a little space away from it and challenge that and say, instead, you know what? I have many blessings in my life and, but this is, this has been a difficult day and I've got stressors and then this annoying, really annoying thing happened, but I'm, you know, and, and, and turn it around and you're not dismissing what happened, but you're, you're reframing it you're thinking about things a little differently. I'm going to put a different spin on that same story. So if I was the one walking in and it was someone else having that bad day and someone else, um, having had all the garbage spilled out on the floor, I walked in and they tore a strip off of me. Okay. I might be thinking I didn't do anything. I just walked in and saw this. I'm being attacked. So I could just shoot it back at them. Tell them everything they've ever done wrong too. And tell them all the times I've emptied the garbage bag. Thank you very much. Right? And turn it against them. Right? Or I could have stormed off in a huff in my injustice for being treated so poorly. 
So those would be me in that moment of being yelled at and seeing this person so angry that it triggers me to go outside of my window and I react or I go below and I walk away. So I could do that. That could happen. I'm going to encourage you to think about if you're able to, again, noticing our windows, noticing what's going on before you have a reaction to be able to say, is there a way I can bring grace to this? All right. Can I absorb, can I just take in all that negative garbage that just got verbally yelled at me as well as the garbage on the floor? Can I walk over and say, I'm so sorry. It looks like you're having a really rotten day. Let me help you pick this up. You work really hard for everybody. I am so sorry that you're having a rough time today. You don't get appreciated enough, I bet. Whoa. All of a sudden, we have not reacted. I bet that person would probably just melt in that situation. You never know. It depends on the person and, and everything else, but it would we're taking an opportunity out of a messy, dirty situation and turning it into a possible moment of grace. And that I think is what um, we learn in these scriptures. I think that's what St. Paul is talking about when he says that the wisdom of the of the Greeks and, and like the power and wisdom and the understanding of the Hebrews, the Jews and the Greeks or Romans turned on its head he says God's weakness is strength God's weakness God's not weak <laughs> God chooses to appear to what would appear to be weak is actually a strength whoa so our choice to be empathetic our choice not to be always injured by something and instead see past it and love a person is a strength this is exactly what Christ does ultimately in, in his death. All right, so the challenge this land is to be aware of your window of tolerance and to use some, try some strategies to bring, to come down from the window of tolerance when it goes too high and to be aware for sure if you're going into a freeze state or you're just wanting to numb out. You know, it's interesting. I think there's counselors with all kinds of skills and talents out there. There's all kinds of techniques and things going on. But when you go into a counseling session, if you're seeing your counselor, and if they're any kind of good counselor, they do the basics. The very basics would be listening skills and empathy, unconditional regard. They're there to support, to, to, to be kind and understanding as best they can, right? Most counselors. So even without using any other skills than that, if you walked into your counseling session somewhat dysregulated, high up in your window, hopefully not right outside the window, but very high, maybe upset, frustrated, angry at the world, all this kind of stuff, and you talk it out with someone like a counselor, you walk out feeling better. Why? Because empathy, understanding, and another person's presence by itself can bring us into a safer, more comfortable place in our window. So you don't, it doesn't only have to happen in counseling. It can happen with our friends, with our, our loved ones who have the, who have the skills to be good listeners, right? Rather than just trying to solve the problem or tell you you're wrong, 
they actually empathize. That's all that it takes. It's amazing how powerful that skill is to really help people just come down. And once they come down, they're usually able to figure out the truth. You know, when they come down from that window, it's like, all right, it's just garbage on the floor. We'll get it cleaned up. Tomorrow will be a better day. It's okay. You know, it's, it's suddenly it's not the end of the world. Suddenly it's not, um, no one cares about me, you know, and a new perspective emerges. All right. Uh, I'm needing to wrap it up because I was promising myself and, and all that I was going to try to keep it under 20 minutes and we're just passing the 20 minute mark. So I hope you've enjoyed this conversation, this discussion, uh, and reflection on the Sunday readings, uh, and also bringing in the psychology of, of, of dissociation and windows of tolerance and all that. Uh, please, uh, I hope you enjoy our shows. I hope you'll go to soulsandhearts.com and sign up for updates. Uh, I hope you listen to Dr. Peter's podcast as well. He's got really great stuff all every week on his show. And he actually did a two-parter with me on pornography recovery. Um, before that, he did a really interesting series on masturbation. So he's hitting some t- big topics, some tough topics. Um, anyway, so... Join us over at Souls and Hearts, receive our newsletter, listen to our courses. We've got tons uh, have tons on there, plus more to come. All right, until next time, be still, believe, and be loved. Take good care.